0: Today's March 19th, 2014. And this past year has brought us some wars, amen. In my life for sure. And tonight all I really want to do uh, with you is uh is share some some. I'm gonna preach to me tonight, is that okay? Amen. amen. The last year, year and a half has brought us some uh, severe struggle and battles and Unlike the uh, pastors here, Pastor Matt and Pastor Eric, they have a keen understanding of when a warfare is going on. For me, I'm a little bit naive. Sometimes I come out on the end and go, what just happened? But then I'm still standing and I learn from it. And as as I go through these wars and I look back, it makes it easier and easier for me to see the enemy when he approaches me. You Understand? So God is building something in me. And this last year, year and a half, uh, he's taught me uh, how to war. And I want to share that with you tonight. Uh, So to me, uh, the title tonight is The Fog of War. Sometimes when we're in the midst of warfare and we may not know it, something creeps on us. It's an uncertainty. A fog of war is an uncertainty uh, sometimes of what to do while in warfare. When it creeps, it's just like a fog. It creeps in. And all of a sudden you realize, whoa, what's going on? And it's the fog of war. And, but where I've been encouraged at as I've come out on the other end and look back and go, oh, there comes a time where a fog settles in. But that's the time where you're made weak and he's made strong. Amen. Amen. And when you come out on the other end of these victories, you look back and say, he was mighty in me. Come on. He was mighty in me. My mom used to say to me, uh, when I come in, I'd say, somebody's bullying me. Somebody's picking on me. And she'd say, you just go tell them if they're going to come, they're going to come bring a fight to you. They better bring your lunch because it's going to take all day. It's going to take all day to get this fight done. Maybe you hit me with a right cross. Maybe you stun me sometimes. But there comes a time where I'm going to wear the enemy out because it's going to take all day to beat this. And I'm talking about he that is in me is greater than he that's in the world and anything that can approach me. And so when that fog of war comes on, it's time to step up. And we've seen in our body, we've seen in our body as, as that time has come. Some have stepped up and some have stepped out. And this is what God does. God sends that fog sometimes. He does in order to test what's in that man. Is it genuine or is it not? is it? And look, you're sitting here today, right? Come on. The fog is clearing. The fog is clearing and you're standing on the other side. Amen. Amen. Today's message, the fog of war. Smith Wigglesworth said one of the greatest quotes that just stuck with me the first time he said, "Great great fi- great faith comes from great fights." Come on. And that's just in my DNA. So when I'm preaching tonight, I'm preaching to me. I'm encouraging me because the fog is clearing and I need to stand up. I need to stand up in his mighty strength because that's where he's placed it in me and in you. You got some gloves sitting over here. They say everlast on them. Uh, It's like the scripture says, from everlasting to everlasting. (laughs) It's like God took took his mighty hand, reached down, and slipped it into us on the left hand and on the right hand. And somewhere between that is the man. And on the left hand and on the right hand, God is throwing mighty blows from the left and to the right. And there's a saying in boxing. There's a saying, if you can't breathe, you can't fight. And when you throw a left and when you throw the right hand, which is Jesus himself, it takes the wind out of the enemy. Amen? Amen. Our text tonight, Colossians 127. Colossians 127 says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory, the hope of glory. As I was reading this scripture a week or two ago, something jumped out to me and it was the hope, the hope of glory. This is us. We are the hope of the nations. The hope is that they'll look in and that they'll see us fighting a mighty fight. It'll be the fight of faith and they'll see us fight and they'll see us win. And when they look in, they'll be envious because when they fight, they don't necessarily win. And when they ask us, what is it different about you than about me? You'll say it's the hope of glory, Christ in us. Let's look at Ephesians three sixteen, if you would, 16 through 20. This will be our main text tonight. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do how much? Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work, where? Within us. The hope of glory, the fullness of Christ in us. A personal belief of mine is that there's a full measure of Christ that can be in us. Not that we will become Christ, but there's a fullness that we have not yet to. There's a fullness that God wants to do in us. There's some things of glory that he wants to show of your story called your life. Amen. And he's doing that and he can do that. But let me tell you something. It takes a fight. Like Brother Brent said, you have to fight for it. And when you fight for it and get it, you have to fight to keep it. This is what we call shalom. When you, when you conquer the high ground, when you conquer the holy ground, and the feet, your feet are placed on it, now the enemy wants to take it from you. But guess what? There's a fullness of Christ in you, and he fights your battles for you. God has a full measure in us, and there's some things that we know. There's some things that we know. If we go there, it's gonna risk our life. It's gonna, we're gonna have to risk our life to get it. Don't be scared of God's presence in you. He has put it in you. And he wants you to go onto the seas, onto the risky places where you can see his glory in you. I call this paralysis by analysis. The enemy tries to frighten you. He puts things in front of you and you're paralyzed. In the boxing world, it's when when a boxer gets in and he's intimidated by his opponent and he won't let his hands go. But he's got mighty weapons in his left and his right hand. The scripture declares it, that when God uh, gathered people to him, he gathered men of war, men that knew how to fight with their left and their right. They had weapons in their left hand and their right hand. He had equipped them for the job that he sent them to do. And so has he 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 has me and he has you. Don't lose the fact I'm preaching to me tonight. I'm preaching to me tonight. This, I'm trying to encourage me. I'm trying to encourage me. When the fog of war clears, I'm standing on the other side with more weapons than I had before. And did God call you to shine? He called you to be a light, amen. amen. Didn't he? He called you to be a light. And the only way you can shine is in dark places. That's risky places. Because we sanctify ourselves and stay here and practice what we perform out there. So we come in here and we are the light. But we are made to spark one another on as we go out there. We're made to shine in a dark place. Exodus fifteen three says the Lord is a warrior. And to me, I read that scripture and said, if I want to be like Jesus, then I also have to have the spirit of a warrior. And if there's a warrior, that means there's a war around us. The Lord is a warrior. That is his name. Turn with me the. Second Corinthians one nine. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Mm. Do you see that? Indeed, our hearts, we felt in our hearts. We felt the sentence of death. There was a war around us. There was a presence There was almost like we were at the brink. We were shook by the enemy. Maybe he threw us a blow to our body and we, and we didn't feel the breath. Maybe we were stunned. But God sent this for a reason. In 1 Corinthians 9.26, it shows that we have an opponent. And this is a point I wanted to point out to you. We have an opponent, but it's a God sent opponent in the ring of life. And the reason is so that when you step into the ring, which we call the good fight of faith, you work out, you work out. And God is trying to form you into something that is that the enemy cannot handle. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. 28. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. So First Corinthians tells us that we have opponent, that we do not box or shadow box. We do not have we do not just simply box on a bag we do not box the air, but we have an opponent. And the opponent is made to form us and to fashion us into the sons of God. Romans nine seventeen said that Pharaoh was raised up to oppose God's people so that they would know who he was in them. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed. In all the earth. Did we get that? Pharaoh was raised up in order that the sons of God would come. Be opposed by him. Yet the sons of God would defeat him and so on. The story of his glory has been told from generation to the generation and encourages us and builds us up to this day. And that is what he's doing in us. That is our very life. Second Corinthians twelve nine and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Is it possible that God puts us in situations to where we feel weak, where we would come to the end of a war and feel weakness so that he can show us that we are made strong only in him? There's not a battle in the Bible that that a man won. God won every one of them. God went before them and won their battles for them. it It was his glory. Just like when men carried the ark, they would carry the presence upon their shoulders, but they would never touch the glory. We are to be carriers of the glory, partakers of it, but it's His glory. There's some instances in the Bible. If you would, turn with me to first Samuel 22, 1. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with with him there. So the king, or to be the king of Israel, God's appointed king seemed to be what looked like in a stronghold backed up by the enemy. The scripture says that the Philistines were camped in the valley and they were creeping up. They were surrounding him. But what happened? What did God gather to them? He gathered the discontented. He gathered the discouraged. He gathered those that the world would not call a mighty army. But we'll call broken men. But what do we know about broken men in the word? What do we know happens when God puts broken when when God takes bro- things and breaks them? He breaks them into small portions. He breaks them into powerful little nourishing pieces and feeds the nations. So what was happening here was not that these people were fleeing from the enemy. They were they were running to the king. You see, the world looks like it was fleeing from the enemy. But in the spirit, if you look at this, you see they were running to the king. What looked like a stronghold was no longer a stronghold because 2 Samuel 23, 11. It gives a different perspective on the same thing was what was happening here. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shemaiah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord brought a great victory. When was it? During the harvest time, three of the 30 chief men came down to David at the cave of Adullam. While a band of Philistines were encamped in the valley of Rephiam or the valley of giants. At that time, David was in the in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. Let me tell you, that's backwards, but not for long. Because what was happening was God was building a mighty army of broken men. He was building a mighty army of discontented and discouraged men that were, looked like they were running from the enemy. But in fact, they were running to the only place that they can be filled with the power of God. What did they do? The scripture declares that men that came to him, they were discouraged, but they were mighty with their left and their right hands. You see, they had weapons, but they didn't know how to use them. Maybe they did know how to use them, but what it was inside of them, they needed encourage from the king. They needed a unity. They needed someone to surround. And they said the scripture says that they came to him and said that we are your very flesh and blood. That's good, because it was almost like the king was the skeleton and they showed up and was the meat on the bone. They were the ones that gathered around him and all of a sudden rose up. What looked like dry bones was all of a sudden a vast army. In the boxing world, in the fight world, something happens. There is... Well, let me share this with you first. What kind of men was it that surrounded David? The scripture declares they were mighty men, mighty men. One of them was called Ishbal. 800 men in a single encounter. He defeated by himself. Eleazar, I love this one, stood beside the king in the harvest field. He stood in the harvest And did not give up. When everybody else uh, fleed, when all of Israel was gone, he stayed. And what happened? God honored that. God honored him staying. I'm telling you, God honors faithfulness. When you're faithful, the power can rise up. Shemaiah did the same thing until his hand froze to the sword. Abishai, 300 men with a spear. And Benaiah killed lions, enemy commanders, and a seven and a half foot giant with his own spear. Now what what did the scriptures say they were discouraged. They were discouraged. There was a fog of war that fell on them. But when they came to the king, and he encouraged them, and it's like he breathed on them, and when he breathed on them the fog of war flee. And all of a sudden they stood up with their heads held high and remembered the war and the weapons that was in their hand. Hmm. So in the fight world just like just like in the ancient world that we're looking at when the mighty men surrounded David in our modern day put those gloves on, son. In our modern day we look at a fight world, Dylan believes that he was born to be a fighter, and I believe him. I believe him. And so what he's doing is he's putting everlasting the everlasting or everlasting glove on his hand. Work this bag, son. And what, what happens here, if we're going to talk about the fog of war, if we're going to talk about a time when a fog creeps on you and you don't know exactly what to do, what has what, what our commanders told us to do? So far, what has our leaders told us to do? We said we go back to the basics. We go back to the basics. We go back to one, two, three, or four points. So I'm going to give you four points tonight. In boxing, keep it up. In boxing, <laughs> something happens. There's a judge. When two men get in the ring and they box each other, there's a judge, and there's something called a criteria, or in the Greek, a, a criteria. It's funny because this word also makes up a word we know, hypocritia or hypocrite, right? So if we want to go from hypocrite to son of God, we get in a ring and we knock off all the characteristics that are not of God. And therefore, when we speak, we actually do what we say. Keep it up. You see what happens here? And the reason I did this is because I wanted to show you, this is what the father does with us. This is what the father does with us. He stands over us and he puts... He puts his spirit into us. He puts his fight into us. And what he says is, one, you need, son, you need clean, effective punching. I'm going to judge you according to this. I need clean, effective punching. Clean, effective punching. Clean, landing with, without interference. When you have an opponent and he's trying to duck and dodge you, he need, you need to land without interference, Effectiveness. You need to disturb the strategy of the opponent. Defense is number two. You need a good defense. You need the ability to stay mobile in order to avoid the opponent's attack. Number three, ring generalship. I like this one because you got one. If you can uh, if you can achieve clean and effective punching, if you can achieve a good defense, this will help you in what's called ring generalship. It's the ability to control the nature of the fight. It's the ability to step in and say, although I have an opponent and he's got a strategy and an idea, I'm going to fight my good fight. I'm going to fight my fight. And you better bring your lunch. (laughs) And number four, effective aggression. If you can do the previous three, your aggression will rise and it'll rise against your opponent, and no longer will he have a leverage on you, but your leverage will now overtake him. One, clean effective punching. Two, a defense. Three, ring generalship. And four, an aggression, uh, effective aggression. What, what the fight world says is that when, that when that fighter, maybe one opponent and the other opponent was neck and neck, but they give him the fight, Because he carried the momentum, faithfulness. This is what I'm talking about. We carry our faithfulness through the fights. Come on, son. Come on, son. Come on, you got to hit that thing. You got to hit that thing. Come on. Aggressive. We have an opponent. We have an opponent. We don't just box the bag. We don't just box the air. We actually have an opponent that wants to come against us. But when we rise up and we let God fight through us, we make broken men made mighty. We are broken men that become mighty because we go back to the basics. We go back to the basics and we do what we did at first. Amen. Thank you. You know why I believe him when he says he's a fighter? Because I'm a fighter. And so are you. If you wasn't born a fighter, you were born again a fighter. That's for sure. When when you gave your life to God, you asked him to enter you into the ring of life, the ring of the good fight of faith so that you can glorify his name. Amen. So the fog of war is clearing. And that's what I want to encourage you with tonight, that the fog of war is clearing. And it's because the sons of God are stepping up and fighting. I'm not looking at any any ill-equipped people in here. I'm looking at mighty and powerful warriors because he is a warrior. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Ezekiel 37 and Ezekiel 37:1. the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me into the middle of the valley of dry bones Into the valley. And it was full of dry bones. I like this scripture because it really captivates something. When God stepped in, he took the man's natural ability away. He put him into the spirit and showed him something that it took in order to see that. And as we look into the scripture, we can't just read it word for word. We have to pray and ask God to reveal it to us, to show us what he's trying to say in between the lines. Amen. Verse four. Then he said to me, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Look at verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied and said, Come as he commanded me, and breath entered them they came to life and stood up on their feet. What? A vast army. You see, in the natural, it looked like dry bones, but in the spirit, it was a vast army. And what did it take to get them there? The breath of God. This is probably one of the very first scriptures when I cracked open the Bible for the first time I read. And as my leaders and pastors here have commanded me, to me, that's a command because I'm a soldier. To go back to the basics, I turn back and I do what I did at first and it never fails. Faithfulness triumphs. This feeds me and I remember the day that I was just dry bones. But you know what encourages me? I'm not that any longer. I'm not that any longer. What is in me is powerful. I am one of the hope of the nations. And so are you. I'm a soldier. You know, the scripture declares, I think it was Paul that said it, we're not to be concerned with civilian affairs. Why? Because I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier in the army of God. I want to read something to you. I am a soldier in the army of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, in the word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in his army, and I am enlisted for eternity. I will either retire in his army at the resurrection or die in his army. But I am faithful, capable, dependable, If my God needs me, I am here. I am not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, pettied, primed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I am not a wimp. I am in place, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, Cards, candies, or give me handouts because I am committed. I do not need to be cuddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. When Jesus called me into his army, I had nothing. If I end with nothing, I will still come out even. I will win. My God will supply all my needs. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. Devils cannot defeat me, people cannot delusion me, weather cannot weary me, sickness cannot stop me. Battles cannot beat me, money cannot buy me, governments cannot silence me, and hell cannot handle me. Even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me from this battle, he will promote me to captain. And then bring me back to rule this world with him. I will not give up. I will not turn around because I am a soldier. I am a prayer warrior in the army of my God. And I am marching, claiming victory. That is the constitution of who I am. This is my DNA. And so it is with you because the fog of war is clearing because the sons of God have stood up. The sons of God have stood up and said, we will fight against the fight. We have an opponent. But guess what? We're going to press on and push forward. And he is going to see the bottom of our foot. Amen. Amen. I just come to encourage you tonight and share my DNA with you. And what I want to say to you is that he who is in you is more powerful than he who is in the world. Amen.